Right. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the well here at SCSA. Um, I hope everyone is having a great Sunday so far, and I hope everyone's excited, caffeinated, awake, ready to go. That's kind of the point of bringing back coffee, right, is that people are awake, okay? So there's no excuses. I shouldn't see people sleeping or any of that going on, okay? So um, what we're going to discuss over the next few weeks, uh, over the next three weeks, um, is in this series called Level Up, this idea of how we can challenge ourselves to be better leaders in the world, okay? So if you're wondering, you know, what are we going to be talking about, what, what, you know, topics and things like that, that's the main goal, is how do we challenge ourselves? And every week, I hope that based on the discussion that we go over today or the story we, we talk about or whatever it may be, that it's really on our mind and we're really thinking about it throughout the week. We're thinking through, okay, am I, am I truly acting like a leader with, with this specific topic today? And our topic is courage, which we'll go over in a little bit. So let not like th this series be kind of just us sitting here and, and just kind of going through the motions, but really thinking through Leading with courage. What does that mean? What does that look like in my life? And am I doing it? Or are there areas for me to step up? So when we talk about leadership, I know if I, there's moments in the past in my life where certainly if I heard that there was going to be a leadership talk or a leadership conference or whatever it may be, if I'm being honest, but my own like reserved personality and nature, I would say it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't affect me. Okay. And if you're sitting there and you're wondering something like that, if you're not, ignore what I'm about to say for the next 30 seconds. But if you're sitting there and thinking that, I promise you, that every single person sitting here today is called to be a leader in some capacity. And when we say leader, what does that mean? We, we think of leadership in terms of position. We always think of leadership in terms of position. Leadership is not a position that we are given. Leadership is not a position we are given. Leadership is a God-given responsibility. Leadership is not a position. It's a God-given responsibility. All of us here are called to lead, or if you want to use the word impact, the world around us, okay? Like, we are not waiting for a leadership position to then lead. If you're waiting, waiting for a leadership position to lead, it's not going to come, okay? But what we are talking about in this series is, how can I impact the world around me? There's a beautiful quote um, by St. Anthony the Great that I love so much. It's one of my favorite, favorite church father quotes, okay? And he says the following. He says, the time is coming when men will go mad or go insane. And when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him saying, you are mad, you are not like us. Okay, this is a funny quote. This is a funny quote. What St. Anthony is saying is there's going to be a time where people are going to say funny things, act in funny ways. They're going to basically behave in an insane way, in a crazy way, a way that doesn't make sense. And then they're going to look at people who are acting actually in, in a way that does make sense and say, well, you're insane, you're crazy. The only difference between what St. Anthony is saying there in that quote, and I believe the difference for us today, is I don't believe the time is coming. I believe the time is now. I believe the time is here. I believe that if you go outside, there's a lot of ideas, a lot of weird things, okay, and a lot of different ways that people think that they should lead. And, and I'll share a story later on as well from, from my experience. But this idea that there's going to be a time where people are going to act in an insane way or lead in an insane way tells us that there will always be, if St. Anthony was saying this early on in the, in the, in the church, I'm telling you right now, it's probably worse, okay? There's always going to be a shortage of Christian leaders. There's always going to be a shortage of people that are willing to lead, willing to impact the world. The difference between the way the world leads and the way that we lead or the way we impact the world leads by what we arbitrarily think is right and wrong over time, and that changes, that evolves. 
It's always a changing, it's, it's a goalpost that just keeps, that keeps moving. We lead by timeless truth, by eternal truth, by what Christ has given us, by what he has taught us. And we all know this. Like, in theory, everything I'm saying is, yes, of course, we are called to impact the world. We are called to do it the way that Christ has told us to do it. Of course. You know, there's crazy things everywhere. Like, if we listen to every crazy thing, we just lose our minds. But the theory and the practice are two very different things. The theory is easy to comprehend. The practice is kind of hard. It's hard to be, for example, the outlier at work and to be impacting in a positive way at work based on how Christ has taught us. It's hard. It's hard to be the outlier when everyone else is doing something a certain way and they're kind of getting ahead and you're just watching. It's hard to be the outlier in terms of how we raise our kids, how we lead in our homes, how we love our spouses. It's hard when we, we try to compare other people's lives to ours. It's hard to be the outlier. But that is our calling. Like I said, it's not a, a, a position that we're waiting for. It's a God-given responsibility. The world will always be in need of Christian, godly men and women, of leaders, people looking to impact the world. And through these next three weeks, we're going to discuss different traits and, and different areas where we can really grow in that, in that leadership um, role. Okay? So today, the first thing that we're going to talk about is courage. And the reason that we're starting off with courage is because courage is the foundation. Courage is the foundation of, of, of impacting and changing and leading the world, okay? So when we often hear, like, different definitions of courage, we say, like, courage is, some people say courage is the absence of fear. I don't, I don't think that's what courage is. Some people say courage is, to, like, the, the ability to overcome fear or the persistence to overcome fear, and I would say yes, for sure. But in terms of, like, us impacting or our leadership role, a working definition that we're going to go off of for today is this. Courage is stepping up when no one wants to. Courage is stepping up when no one no wants to. Very simple. To me, this is the starting point of leadership. This is the starting point of impact. You ever been in a situation, I know I have, where everyone around you knows that something needs to change. Like you're maybe like you're at work or whatever and it's a toxic work environment. And everyone knows that something needs to change. That someone needs to say something. Someone needs to step up but no one does anything. If you've ever, it's the most uncomfortable position to be in. We've all been there in a situation where we see something that is wrong, something that needs to change. Maybe someone being treated unfairly. Be, maybe if, for, for those like at work or whatever, maybe somebody being you know, bullied or harassed or whatever it may be. Maybe. It's, you know, when we think of leadership, we think of like our, our you know, outward, and that's absolutely true, but even in our homes. Maybe it's in our family life, and we think of, you know what? Something needs to change here. For a long time, we have veered off, and we're not really going the ways of God anymore. God is kind of absent from our homes. Some, someone needs to step up. We need to reorient ourselves back. Courage is stepping up when no one else wants to, or everyone else is afraid to. Courage isn't necessarily identifying the problem. Like sometimes we think, like we identify a problem, and then I step up. Oftentimes, I would say nine times out of ten, everyone knows the problem. Just no one is willing to do anything about it. It doesn't mean that you have to be the first person to identify a problem. But it means that you have to be the first person, a lot of times, to step up when no one wants to. 
when I was thinking to myself of like what, you know, biblical story or, or uh, uh, text in the Bible kind of exemplifies this courage when is stepping up when no one else wants to. There's so many stories I could have picked from, but I chose kind of like a, a fan favorite, so to speak, okay? Um, one that we're all pretty familiar with, but I believe is so deep and has a lot of gems. Okay, so the story we're going to discuss together, and we're not going to do like a full Bible study. Don't worry, you're not going to be here for the next three hours. Um, we'll do like a mini-series, okay, um, on David and Goliath. David and Goliath, the story that we've all heard before, the story that we're all familiar with, the story that we all love. But I want us to really like look at the depth of the story with this idea in mind. Courage is stepping up when no one wants to. And by the end of the story, I hope that what we're doing is we're challenging ourselves and saying, if I was in his position, what would I have done? And what are the, the, the Goliath, so to speak, in my life? What is the Goliath in my life right now where God is calling me to step up and I've been kind of ignoring? Okay, so that, that, that's, the, that's the thing to keep in mind um, as we are going through the text. And before we jump in, just to kind of give a background, um, the, the Israelites are fighting the Philistines. And in this specific story with Goliath, you can imagine the Israelites are like kind of like on one hill right here. The, the Philistines are on one hill right here. And then, Goli- and then imagine a valley in between. And Goliath is saying, somebody come down there and fight me, winner take all. Okay, that's kind of the premise. That's the background of the text. Okay, so we'll start with um, Mr. Goliath here, and we'll see what he has to say. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? He's mocking them. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the army. Then the Philistine, Goliath, said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines, the Philistines word, on hearing Goliath's word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. This isn't a situation that you really want to be in. And to kind of give a background of, of who Goliath was, if, if for those who are familiar with, with basketball, imagine Shaquille O'Neal, okay? Imagine Shaquille O'Neal times two, all right? That, that's who Goliath was, okay? And Goliath is a big guy, a warrior guy. He's a scary guy. And if you can close your eyes and imagine that you're one of those soldiers, your responsibility as a soldier is to fight, okay? And we'll get to Saul here too because Saul's responsibility is to lead, right? Your responsibility as a soldier is to fight. But what we see here is that the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You ever get that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach? You start sweating, heartbeat a little bit faster? I can imagine that's exactly how they were feeling right then and there. We've all been there. Moments where we know we should do something, but we're paralyzed by fear. We're paralyzed by fear. And in this case, the soldiers are one thing, but Saul, he's also, does, he doesn't make the situation any better. And when I was rereading the story, something I often overlooked was this next verse um, later on in the chapter. For 40 days, the Philistine, Goliath, came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. For how many days? For 40 days. You know what the author is trying to tell us? Goliath, mocking, for 40 days. Every day, morning and evening, he would come out, take his stand, and he'd say, hey, one of you, come and fight me. Silent, terrified, afraid. 
have a question. 40 days. King Saul, you want to maybe come up with a plan in those 40 days? You, you want to maybe, like, let's, maybe not one of your guys can take him. Maybe, hey, let's ambush the guy. Let's do something. King Saul, maybe go, you know, uh, I don't know, it, it, you're, you're king of the Israelites. Pray to God. Ask for direction. Ask for help. There's a prophet around. Did you know, King Saul? There's a prophet around. You can go ask the prophet what you should do and guidance. And there's history of that. But when you're terrified, when you're paralyzed by fear, you don't do anything. For 40 days, being mocked. And the Israelites have nothing to show for it. Not at all. Talk about a terrible leadership strategy. Fear will often do that. Fever, fear will render us useless. What we see here with King Saul and, and when it says like all the, all the Israelites were terrified and dismayed and the soldiers were afraid, of course they were. If King Saul is afraid, if King Saul has no plan, if the leader himself has no plan, then why would the soldiers be any better? The lesson for here, for us here is very important. Fear leads to inaction, but courage inspires change. And we'll look at that change in a little bit. But you have seen this over and over again. Where there is fear, there's never any progress or change. Never. If there is fear and we're paralyzed by fear, nothing happens. Nothing changes. Or it could change for the worse, but no progress is made. It always takes someone to step up when no one wants to, to change the status quo, to change the situation, to change the environment. This is one of the worst toxic, when we talk about toxic work environments, nothing is worse than this. And talk about on the battlefield. Like, nothing is worse than fear on the battlefield. Like, you can have fear in a lot of places on the battlefield. This is the worst place. But it's the same with us. We have environments where we are paralyzed by fear. We don't, we don't want to do anything. We're scared. We're afraid. The question for us as we're going through this is what areas of my life have I been turning a blind eye? Where there's a Goliath, day and evening, 40 days, mocking. And saying, hey, are you going to do something? Are you going to do anything? And we're just turning a blind eye. I remember, uh, just share a personal story here before we continue with, with David and Goliath. Um, one of my jobs, in case anyone ever watched this, one of my jobs previously. Um, we had like a, a, a boss who I had a good relationship with his boss. But he wasn't like the easiest boss in the world, okay? Um, he wasn't the easiest boss in the world. And I remember very specifically that... If I'm being honest, what I witnessed was his uh, um, leadership style was fear-based, okay, this boss, okay? And we've all been there. I'm sure we've all experienced that. And this boss, he, you know what, like would, would say things to people and it would just, it would make me so uncomfortable, it would make me so uncomfortable. And I remember one time, uh, one of my coworkers, so it was like me and, and another coworker kind of in the same position, um, and we were talking, I was like, hey, how's your day going and whatever, and he just looked like he was a wreck. He had like a really, really bad day. I was like, hey, like, what's going on? Like, are you okay? What, what happened? And he basically proceeds to tell me that he had like this project or presentation um, that he was working on, and he, you know, presented this, this thing, and um, the boss like destroyed him, like just annihilated him. And ba essentially, basically was like, you're lucky you're not fired, essentially, okay? Um, 
and I could sense, and, and this person, by the way, was very, very, like, um, he had a lot of, like, like not just say potential, like, he was very intelligent, very good at his job, but he was paralyzed by fear, like, completely paralyzed by fear by the way this, this boss led. And I remember I was telling him, you know the trick, right? Like, you know the trick with this guy. Like, I, every, everyone has, like, a thing. Everyone has a trick. The trick with this guy, you can't show fear. Once you don't show fear, you'll be fine. And you know, like, once you kind of step up and don't show any fear, the, the Goliath will, will calm down. It'll go away. And I told him basically, like, worst case scenario, like, you're a smart guy, man. You'll be fine. Like, you'll find another job. Like, you're going to be okay. Like, but this state is not, it's not going to be, this is not good. This is not sustainable, essentially, is what, what we talked about. I remember before leaving, um, uh, before, like, uh, this position, uh, before he was leaving this position, um, he basically was talking about, like, starting his own business um, and, like, doing a bunch of different stuff. Like, basically, the difference I saw in the person that was paralyzed by fear and the person that said, you know what, this is just not worth it to be paralyzed by fear in this way, was huge, was completely different. But that leader had a, had a chance to unlock the potential of that person, but instead they paralyzed them, and they made them realize that this is not a compatible thing. Fear, oftentimes, most of the time, 99% of the time, is going to lead to inaction. And if we want something to change, it always is going to require courage. Let's continue with the story. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. So David has nothing to do with this war. He's just going to give food to his brothers, and he's just caring for them. He reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle positions, uh, to his battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, the every day, day and evening. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Here's that word again. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Let's just pause right here for a second. There's a lot of things happening. This is a great story. I love this story. This is a great story. What do you notice? What's the first thing you notice? The people know what the problem is. Like, Goliath isn't invisible to them. Goliath is this big, huge guy, and they're annoyed by Goliath. Like I said earlier, courage doesn't mean that you're the first person to find an issue or, or a problem that needs to be solved. It's just who's going to act, who's going to do something about it. And what's really funny is the following verse, is that the king is basically putting it all out there. I'll give you money, I'll give you a uh, tax exemption, which, and I'll give you even my daughter, which I, whatever that means, okay? Like he's just like throwing it in there, okay? Icing on the cake, thank you. Thank you, King Saul. It shows us that King Saul is completely desperate, and he himself is paralyzed by fear. He doesn't know what to do. He has no solution. This is his way of inspiring the soldiers, and no one responds. Not a single, like somebody, you would think, like most people probably at this time, this is like the jackpot. You're never going to get a better deal than this, okay? This is the, the jackpot of all jackpots. You got wealth. 
You got marriage and you have to find her, okay? And you got tax exemption, which never happens, will never happen in the state of any, any country, okay? This is crazy. This is crazy. No one is willing to take this offer? Like, no one is, won't even give it a shot? You would think that somebody would take a shot at it, but no one does. And here David continues. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Somebody got David riled up. Somebody got David is just like, who is this guy? I don't care how big he is. Are you kidding me? This guy, this is the guy that everyone is so afraid of? This disgrace? This is the, he's mocking us. Don't you know that God is on our side? We're the people of Israel. Like, hey, wake up, people. You know who should have been doing this? Saul. Saul, where's Saul? Saul doesn't appear anywhere in the story. What, like, what are you doing this whole time? This is for all of us who sometimes think leadership is a position. Clearly not. David is a nobody. David is a shepherd boy. He has nothing to do with the war. He has nothing to do with the battle. The person who's in leadership position, he's scared. He's offering everything he has. He said, hey, take my wallet too. Like, he has nothing to show for it. But David saw that something needed to be changed. And he said, enough is enough. David goes to King Saul and he says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I love that first part. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. That's the heart of a leader. He's not doing this for himself. He's saying, hey, I'm doing this. Let no one lose heart. All your people are discouraged. All your people are afraid. You yourself are afraid. Let no one lose heart. I'll take care of this guy. Imagine the scene for a second. This nobody, David. And, and if you read earlier chapters, David was forgotten by his own father. Okay, like, the, the, like the, the, the prophet came and said, show us all the sons. And he picked them one by one. And then he said, are you sure these are all of them? He said, oh, yeah, wait, there's another guy. Okay, like he was forgotten by, by even his own dad. He comes up. He's not built like a soldier. He's a nobody. Nobody knows him. He's a young kid. Some uh, scholars say maybe like 15 to 20 years old max. And he says, oh, yeah, I'll fight him. David, do you have any experience in fighting? And he says a little bit, which is a funny experience, but like, do you have any experience in fighting? Like, are you, you know, um, have you fought a man of, of Goliath's like stature before? Like, have you, has, was there a Goliath in, in near the shepherds? Like, what's going on? Imagine you're going for a job interview. Imagine you're going for a job interview and you're completely not qualified for the job. That's David. That's David. And he says, no, no, I'll figure it out. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Wow, way to encourage Saul. Well, talk about a leader. Talk about a man that inspires. Saul, you realize you have no shot. You have no hope. You've offered everything you could offer, and none of your soldiers, not a single one, is willing to take your offer. And here David is willing to step up to the plate. You know, you have nothing to lose. If he wins, you're going to give him the stuff you would have given to another guy. If he loses, next try, okay? <laughs> like, you have nothing to lose. What's your problem? King Saul, 
is basically telling him, no, 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 you should be like us. You should be paralyzed by this fear. You're not qualified. Like if I'm paralyzed by this fear, why aren't you, David? You're like a kid. But out of desperation, Saul, of course, agrees. And what we find out is that after Saul agrees, they try to put, and we're not going to read this part specifically, they try to put like an armor on David, and they try to give him like, like, you know, like a helmet and a sword. They basically try to make him into like a makeshift soldier, okay, because he's not a soldier, and they're trying to like figure it out. And when he does that, basically David says, this isn't going to work. This stuff is too heavy for me. So that again gives you an idea of David's qualification for the position, okay? Like David, here's an armor, here's a sword. No, no, the stuff is not, it's too heavy. I'll just take my, my slingshot, we'll be okay. Like, this is an insane story. David isn't qualified for the position. He doesn't yet have any tools to overcome Goliath, but he still steps up. Because what David realized, and, and it said earlier, is that when David heard it, and he said, like, this disgrace and all, this, all these things, David realized that enough was enough, something needed to change. He didn't know how he was going to do that and, and accomplish that. He didn't even have the tools to do it, but he knew that something needed to change. And again, that's an important lesson for us, that the what always precedes the how. It's easy to always say, well, I'm not qualified. I don't have the tools. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But if God puts you in a position for a reason or in a, in a place for a reason, he's not asking you to figure out the how. If you've identified the what, all that is left is for you to step up. The how will solve itself. And that's not saying to be careless or anything like that. And clearly David wasn't because he had a plan afterwards. But the what always came, always precedes the how. It's easy to come up with excuses of why we don't step up in certain situations. It's the easiest thing to do. And we've all done it. It's easy to say, you know, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will step up. So-and-so is better. So-and-so will figure it out. But if God has put something on your heart, then he's asking you to take a step and trusting that you worry about the what and let God worry about the how. Later on in the story, when David finally goes down to meet Goliath, he says the following. He says, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Our courage, when we're talking about courage, isn't like some make-believe thing that we're coming up with on our own. It's not based on our own self-confidence either. It comes from our faith in God. And that's what David is saying right here. He says, hey, you have all those fancy tools? Great. I have God on my side. Let's see who wins. If God calls us to specific areas in our lives where he's saying, hey, I want you to make an impact here in this situation. I want you to lead in this way. I want you to make a difference here. You could say, I don't have the sword, spear, and javelin. Or you can say, but God is on my side. If this is truly what God is calling me to do, I'll figure out the how. But I know what I need to do. I imagine myself, even before the war is over, even before the battle is over, when, when David, we know how the story ends, and, and David wins the battle with Goliath. I could imagine that God is looking down on David so proud of him. Like I really can, like, like God just like with, with a smile on his face, so to speak. He's saying, yeah, that's my son. It took a step of courage. He wasn't qualified. 
and he did it anyways. And to us, that's the ultimate honor, is to make God proud. In whatever scenario he puts us in, is to really make God proud, to lead in that way. There's another person in, in uh, which I contemplated in sharing this story, but another person who had the choice to act in courage or fear um, in the Bible. And the person was Esther, okay? Um, and for those who are familiar with that story, it's a great story. Read at home, not a long story. Um, but Esther had a chance, had an option, courage or fear. And Mordecai, who had adopted her uh, as, as her father, he basically said, he said the following. He said, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you, have, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is one of the most powerful verses in all of scripture. Who knows? Maybe you're in this kingdom for such a time as this, Esther, is what Mordecai was telling her. What I love about what, what Mordecai is saying is, hey, one way or another, God's job is going to get done. One way or another, like, you are great, and your God's job is great. God has many children. One way or another, God's job is going to get done. But maybe, just maybe, God puts you in this situation for such a time as this. And that's the message for all of us. We need to look at different areas in our lives and say, in what area has God put me in and asking me to act, take a step of courage that I've been resisting, that I've been afraid, that I've been turning a blind eye. But maybe God is saying, you know what? No. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. If you're part of my kingdom, if you're my child, this is the time. This is the time for you to act. God will, can find another way. But the question for us, very simply, is we can miss the opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity to be part of God's story. It's easy for us to say, you know what, somebody else will do it. We look sometimes at the negative and not the positive. I want to be part of God's story. I want to be part of the story where God says, yes, that's my child who stepped up, took a small step of courage. And not, sometimes it's really big things, sometimes it's small things. I want to be part of God's story. I want to make God, God proud. The message I hope that we're leaving with today is if you know that there's something that needs to change in any area of your life, and God is asking us to have that, that, that moment of courage, that act of courage, is that we're not waiting for anyone else to step up. That we're not waiting for the next person to come and tell us, oh, actually, I'll do it. Because if you see that, and oftentimes, whoever is that first person to step up, that's the person that becomes the leader. That's the person that, that has that impact, that true impact. And it's God's children, that's our God-given responsibility, is to, to have that impact. God's calling for us is not to run away in fear and be paralyzed by fear, as we saw earlier with the Israelites and Saul, but to embrace the gift that God allows us to be part of his divine story. And if you're ever having trouble with this, this courage and fear thing, and I know I've, I've had my own struggles with this, this is a message for me more than it is for you guys. If you're ever having issues with this, you remember one thing. Courage, like I said, isn't just about you and your own self-confidence. There's something much more powerful than that. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is with you. If God is calling you to do something, he's on your side, just like he was on, on David's side. If God was not on David's side, probability is 
David, that story would not have worked out so well. But God is on our side. We're not doing this on our own. We're not just walking in the world on our own. God is with us. If we truly take a step of courage and we do it with, with knowing that God is on our side, we can overcome our fears. I'm not saying we're not going to have those moments where we feel afraid, but we can overcome our fears. Don't turn a blind eye to what areas God is calling you in your life to have that act of courage and to be finally um, part of that divine story. What he wants you to do is to be shares in, in his life, in that divine story. Okay? So lesson for us today and lesson for us going forward in the next few weeks is how we're going to take each trait and kind of go to the next level. So today is courage. In what areas of my life do I need to take my courage to the next level? Okay, and we'll talk about um, uh, following weeks, uh, different ideas too. Um, but for us today and this week, I hope that we can really focus on that. If you need some inspiration, go back and reread the whole story of David. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Okay, and, and I hope that that inspires us. And it's always a reminder for us that God, um, like I said, is on our side. So let's stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you always for providing for us, for taking care of us, for always inspiring us and moving us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Scripture that provides for us um, examples always of, of how we can continue to pursue you and continue to impact the world around us the way that you desire for us to. We ask you, Lord, that in any area of our lives that, that there is fear, that there is um, areas, Lord, that, that we are paralyzed by fear, we're just ignoring and turning a blind eye, that you give us the courage, Lord, that you remind us that you're with us, that you allow us, Lord, to really step up and do something about it. Lord, we know that we're not worthy to be your servants. We're not worthy to be um, co-workers with you, Lord, but you allow that beautiful gift um, to us, Lord, because you love us and you want us to share in that and you want us to be part of that story. Inspire us, Lord, to truly have that impact no matter where we are in our lives, whether we're, we're, we're students or, or in our homes or in our, or our jobs or in our churches or wherever it may be, Lord, to really step up and to help where we know, Lord, that a, that a change needs to be made. Something needs to be done. Enough is enough. Give us, Lord, the courage to act and to really step up. We pray all these things in your name through the intercessions of all your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.